Greetings and salutations. You are listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CDH. I'm one of your hosts, Lyndon, aka Noobzors, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts, Matt, aka Null. Yo. Reed, aka Sick Robot. Howdy, howdy. And Morgan, aka Spleenface. How's it going? And in this episode, uh, we will be covering new card evaluation. Um, so, you know, we're kind of on the precipice of uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. So when, when that's that coming out? Like the 18th or something, I think, around then? So we should, this, if this episode comes out, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll be coming out, I guess, mid... So quite a few... We're recording this on the day where basically spoiler season started. Um, obviously, there's a bunch of leaks and stuff yeah. uh, prior. I mean, you know, we uh, leaks and quotate big quotation marks. Because oh, let's not get know, into I'm, that. Yeah, let's let's. <laughs> uh, yeah, but a uh, bunch of official spoiler season started today. A bunch of uh, cool stuff dropped, and you know, we just wanted to talk about um, how to evaluate new cards because uh, there's there's quite a few trends that we've all noticed in um, kind of the community when people are evaluating new cards and we just want to share some of our um, tips and, and our kind of our process. Um, but before we get into that, what have you guys been up to since the last episode? Anything? Uh, not a whole not lot really. on my end. Because <laughs> I have been playing the ever-loving <laughs> oh shit out of Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel. Uh, yeah, so it's basically the... Um, Yu-Gi-Oh version of Arena. Um and so that just dropped uh I don't know, like a week ago maybe. Um a time of recording. And the last time I'd played Yu-Gi-Oh was the same time Reed had last played Yu-Gi-Oh. Which it was, was terrible. We had played we we had both so I'd played I think I'd stopped playing Yu-Gi-Oh in like 2014, 2015. Um and even and before then it was, it was like kind of a brief kind of stopgap and last time I before then was like when I was uh like a kid. Um like very like I I I had stuff I have stuff from the original Legend of Blue Eyes set. So like the like the very first um Yu-Gi-Oh set and you know and, and so it's I've got a history with Yu-Gi-Oh but you know it's been a long long time since I played it. Um and you know someone uh had mentioned like oh you know this is coming out so I, I checked it out and it's been it's been fun. Um, I'll say this: they're really generous. So, like, unlike uh, one one thing I've I've liked about like Arena is great, and I and I love um, Arena. But the big problem I have with Arena is, it's you have to be a heavily enfranchised player or willing to drop fat stacks if you want to get into um, like something like Historic, because it's people. I I you know I play a lot of Historic, and people are like, oh, you know, Historic looks so much fun. You know, could, could, how how much would it cost me to like build a historic deck? You know, and in paper, it might only cost you you know, hundred, couple hundred bucks. But uh, on arena, you got to drop hundreds and hundreds of dollars. I think uh, Leptis uh, from you know he mods the Frog server, he mods the uh, Turbonos server. At one point, he he was trying to get into historic on arena, and he wanted to build Dragonstorm. I think I think he dropped something like four or five hundred dollars to to build Dragonstorm on on arena Just and so like that's so much insane, yeah that's it like you have to have been playing free to play for a long time and or like you have to be playing for a long time to just build up all of that kind of accumulated free to play stuff um 
and then also you know probably spend some amount of money to have like a decent historic collection enough to build whatever you want and even then like you you, you can't always build whatever you want and, and so there's just no good onboarding for like new players if they want to you know get into the format and play a deck uh the one thing i like about master duel uh which is you start playing and the amount so the i think the pricing on their gems compared to like if you want to spend some money on arena um the, what you get for the money is, is somewhat decent but um the amount of gems you get for on master duel seems to be kind of like in at least they're so they've got like a special deal pricing and like a uh like the regular pricing if you look at the regular pricing and you you were to look at how much they give you free as, as a new player it comes out to like five, six hundred dollars worth of like free gems and crafting points, which is insane for like a like just the the, the new player to just have that right out of the gate. Um, which also means it could either be that they're giving you an insane amount of stuff, or their um, pricing scheme is like way out of whack, or it could just be a bit of both. But um, yeah, like you can join and just build a meta deck right off the bat. So I've been having fun with that. Um, and then also, obviously, uh, in between all of my Yu-Gi-Oh jamming now, it's uh, checking out Neon Destiny spoilers. Or Neon Dynasty spoilers, sorry. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Neon Destiny. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the set could be named that, you know? That sounds cool. It's a cool name. Um, sounds a lot more like a not-Kamigawa set, though. Anyway. Yeah, sounds, it almost sounds like a Yu-Gi-Oh set. <laughs> <laughs> Um, He's too far gone. We delete I'm behind. Too far gone, man. Mid power podcast. Don't you mean? Yeah. Yo <laughs> podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one thing that's going to be great. I know many of our longtime listeners, I'm sure, have missed all the two v two talk that used to happen in uh, oh, in, yeah, in this yeah. section. I the half hour of the podcast that was dedicated yeah. to two v two. And now, now I'm glad that I can substitute that in with Yu Gi Oh. So that's going to be fun for you guys. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up there. Um, anyone have anything else or uh, shall we move on okay then let's move on I've been playing Um, very little (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh actually Morgan has seen a fair and has been involved in discussions around Yu-Gi-Oh because he'll pop into the frog server every now and then and then everyone's just playing Yu-Gi-Oh and then he'll say something along the lines of and then this is why I'll never play Yu-Gi-Oh and And every time I'm right (laughs) wait a minute they're basically at better ancestral recalls. Uh, this is why I'll never play you. Yeah. yeah. The frog server just becomes a permanent Yu-Gi-Oh server. I think that would honestly just make the most sense to me. That would yep. just be the end game yep. for that server. <laughs> uh, very true. Um, but yeah. So housekeeping. Uh, as always in housekeeping, we like to shout out our new patrons. Um, and this week we have two new patrons. Um, so big shoutouts to. Maraxis, um, I think I gave him a shout out in the last episode or two episodes ago about tier one con. So, uh, but yeah, huge Trust shout out this for time. becoming a, a patron. Uh, thanks, yeah. buddy. And um, classic side part. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, we love our new patrons. We love our existing patrons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys help uh, keep everything running. Yeah. You um, pebble. Okay. <laughs> that's too deep okay i'll stop yeah, there. um yeah so and then our, our last uh thing in housekeeping um is marchesa 2022 uh morgan reed do you guys want to go on 
sure. So they have officially set the date and the location. We'll put links to more information on that. It's uh, March 26th, 27th, I believe, is the weekend at uh, the Mox Boarding House in Seattle. Again, we'll, we'll make sure to get yep. this right. Uh, yeah, March 26th, 27th in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, should be awesome. The uh, venue is great from what I've seen. I, I know that there's been a uh, like a fair number of um, relatively large-profile tournaments held there as well for other uh, formats, so... And we're uh, hoping at least some of us are, are hoping to make <laughs> hoping it out to there. Make it out. Obviously, yeah. you know, it, we don't want to make any commitments because the world is in the state that the world is in. But uh, hopefully, hopefully everything works out and we can go there and meet some of you guys and jam some Pop games you and. and- <laughs> but it looks like whether, such a sick venue so like what yeah. <laughs> yeah, whether, yeah whether or not we are there uh we would recommend if you have the means and if you're comfortable uh going and checking it out um because again supporting the monarch people over the monarch are, is a i think a great idea they run yeah. some pretty good events also i know for a fact there's a bunch of really cool people uh cdh wise in seattle shout out to shaper uh keeb um you know, there's lot, lots of lots of uh, really cool people in Seattle who I'm guessing are probably going to be at the event, considering it's it's local. So I also wouldn't be surprised if we might see some people coming up from like the more southern West Coast. So people in California, yeah, sure. there's a fairly large scene just over on the West Coast in general. So indeed, also Seattle, lovely city. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you're there to play magic, right? Who's ever going to even see the city? <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's, that's like the one regret of uh, the tier one con trip is that we just actually didn't that see was, Copenhagen. Yeah. Yeah, we, I we, can't we wait spent, to go back for the first time. We spent time. The, like the most amount of time in, in Copenhagen for the event, and then we, we didn't see any of Copenhagen. <laughs> we saw the other places that we visited. That was yeah. funny. Um, yeah, so that's it for housekeeping. Um, next time we've got new developments, uh, and I'll hand this one off to Reed. Sure. <laughs> Um, so by the time by the time this episode comes out, the next uh, Deckless database update will have been released. Um, it's the November update. Well, I will tell. Uh, yes, I will tell you guys. Well, okay. So we we got sidetracked by holidays. We spent like basically like two weeks off, um, not pushing it updates. But we are on an aggressive update schedule. It just so happens that the rollout of our more aggressive update schedule happened to coincide with a two-week break. So we're going to push it out. Um, and yeah, I mean, always remember, uh, keep submitting your lists. Uh, if you didn't make it on for whatever reason, feel free to contact us and all that stuff. Join the Discord for notifications. Uh, and we're probably going to be opening up um, uh, new reviewer applications after this update as well. So again rather Exciting. um yeah so if you're interested in being a part of the team and uh helping us to review decks and make a difference uh it would, it would be much appreciated so keep an eye out for that um we'll, we'll have uh updates for all this on the uh, database discord server which you can find on either the website or we'll probably just put links in the description for it as well right on and so that brings us into the main topic for the show, uh, which, as I mentioned, is evaluating new cards or spoilers or, you know, trying to decipher the really fuzzy picture that's, you know, leaked. That can't possibly leaked. be hybrid Phyrexian yeah. mana. 
It must be a, a smudge. Yeah. Dude, why why is it that every time someone is leaking it's with a 240p, you know, webcam of <laughs> Well, did you see the Okay. Actually, this is this is interesting because I'm pretty sure that we like usually don't talk about ongoing spoilers when we record episodes. We typically we like, sometimes do after they finished to acknowledge them but there was definitely i forget which card it was for but there was one on the day that we're recording this that was like actually impressively bad for what should have been an official spoiler um right it was the wandering emperor which was diagonal and like four by four <laughs> pixels <laughs> it's, yeah no it's uh yeah, it, I mean, okay, yeah, like, as Morgan said, we probably shouldn't get into the leaks and stuff beforehand, but, uh, yeah, man, just, you know, go on, go on, I mean, we're not sponsored by Skillshare or, you know, any of those companies, but, man, just, just go take a class on photography, you know, it's not that hard <laughs> to take a clear picture of a card if that's basically the only thing you're doing. Um, but, yeah, okay, so how do you evaluate a new card or a spoiler. How do you determine whether or not it's good, um, or if it is good, how like how good it is, you know, what you should cut for it in a deck? How do you how do you kind of place it in the hierarchy of existing CDH cards and staples and you know slots in a given deck? So we've got a couple categories. So we're gonna first discuss, I think, newer commanders. So if if, if there's a commander or something that you're looking at. Um, just on its own, you know, compared to being in the 99. How do we uh, evaluate that? So we've got a couple couple things laid out. Um, and I guess we'll we'll kind of just start with, uh, you know, whoever wrote it can... I think you yeah. wrote that. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it was Lyndon's point, but I guess I technically wrote it down. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> I wrote all my points below <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well we can sort of walk okay. through there there are a few like overall heuristics that we can uh we can sort of talk about here um for evaluating new commanders um just aside from like basically anything that like any specifics about uh new commanders or whatever there are like a couple of classes of things that new commanders do <laughs> that um you can sort of just generalize and like class them into like if it does a lot of these things then it's probably a good choice obviously depending on how efficiently it does those things but anyway uh, i th I think what you have here uh Lyndon, are four real categories of things that like real cdh commanders can do which is m like mana as in generating mana being a mana engine of some kind uh cards so being a card engine of some kind uh being part of a combo so whether that be an outlet or uh part of an additional combo um with something else in your deck or if it just tutors stuff <laughs> in general um which i guess you could you could, you might be able to like combine or like express the tier part of this as a combination of a cards and a combo engine but yeah not necessarily um, like i'd say yeah sadisi uh undead vizier is not you know quite card it's not really card advantage and it's not quite a combo it's sort of a combo it's, 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 it just you know, like maybe, tears for ad nauseum you just, yeah. <laughs> you just sort of do the thing um so yeah one thing in, in kind of these you know man engine card engine combo engine tutor engine these are 
they're kind of broad categories and, and I can give some examples of how, you know, so I guess a traditional, you know, you could look at something very kind of obvious for a mana engine like Silvala, right? Uh, Mono Green Silvala taps to add a bunch of mana, you know, pretty straightforward. Uh, Urza, uh, it, it, you know, turns your artifacts into mana. Cool. Baral, it discounts your spells. Mana, right? Mana, mana can be pretty straightforward. Cards or card advantage um, isn't just always drawing cards, right? Thrasios Timna is literally just two card advantage engines uh, stapled together in a command zone, and then the fact that they have partner is itself card advantage. And that you have a <laughs> combo outlet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but just from the, the card advantage perspective, um, you can have kind of non-obvious forms of card advantage. You can have, um, I, I guess, maybe card advantage. So, you know, Brawl, going back to Brawl, Brawl doesn't give you card advantage. It will give you card selection. But, you know, if the card selection is strong enough, that could be, um, you know, considered a form of card advantage engine. Um, and, but then there's also things like Winota. Uh, Winota is actually what I would consider both a card and mana advantage engine. Oh, sorry, mana engine and card advantage engine. One, it's, you know, turning creatures in play into more creatures. And then it's cheating the cost on those creatures. So it's, um, you know, providing two of those things. And, and you know, as, as Reed had kind of mentioned, the more things it does on this list, um, you know, you should take an even closer interest. So one thing I like to say with, you know, talking about mono blue decks is most mono blue decks um, do one of these things. Uh, Azami is a really strong card advantage engine. Um, you know, Brawl, I talked about as a mana engine, combo engine. Um, you know, you could look at something like Arkham or, or whatever. But, you know, Urza, the king of mono blue decks, uh, turns out it does all three of these. So, you know, that's... The, the, more, the more categories it covers, the stronger it is. Um, yeah, I think that's, you know, it. And, and this, is, it, this is a very broad list of categories. So it's not going to be... It's, it's not everything that fits into one of these categories or fits into multiple is necessary, necessarily a uh, CDH commander or CDH viable. But it probably has to be at least one of these if it is CDH5. Um, we, we were looking through the database and trying to rack our brains for uh, commanders that have at one point been CDH viable or, or seen some CDH play that don't fit into these. And really the only two that we could come up with were um, Anafenza and Rurkthar, which are kind of just like stacked pieces. And they're also just like sort of dubious in terms of viability anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean I guess like Sadisi Broodtyrant also kind of fits that bill. Um, sort of. I mean she is combo? like nominally yeah. a combo piece, okay. right? Okay, With, uh, make I oh I guess if for the food, food chain, chain. Food chain. So admittedly yeah. the food chain builds she's not a good food chain commander, but that's <laughs> no, <laughs> she's not because you also lose to just so much other stuff. Well, no, but but like no no, the issue with her as a food chain commander is that you can't use, like, she's a food chain outlet with, like, a f dread return setup. So, like, you can't just consult for food chain, because, like... Yeah, that, that's what I'm like, sorry, <laughs> what, I meant by, what I meant by losing to so much other stuff is you lose to so many more hits off of consult. Like, you just, you just yeah. require to have so much stuff left in your deck after blind consulting. <laughs> yeah, so I think that, that's it for my um, kind of brief introduction on these categories. Uh, we have some other things in terms of whether or not a commander is 
viable and how to evaluate that. Yeah, this is like kind of a subset of Lennon's points for sure, but is it an outlet for a combo that the colored combo doesn't have? So yes, combo, but also can you take like um you know maybe a high power archetype and a low color combination and do better? Does anyone yeah. have any particular examples? Yeah, um, like... Well, it, kind of this point just made me think of something, which is, it doesn't necessarily have to be, um, like, because a lot of times in spoilers, you know, if you're maybe a newer player, you haven't, you know, gone through Scryfall 20 million times, like probably everyone on this podcast has, there's some things when you look at a commander and, and kind of after you've been on, you know, knowing tons of magic cards, you, you kind of develop a bit of a, like a spidey sense for uh, viability in commanders where you can kind of look at a commander and you can kind of just be like I think that has potential right I mean some commanders you see and they're just it's just obvious but um, you know what you, what you can kind of look for is you know in term, Matt was saying an outlet for a combo um, that that the uh, color might not have is there are some combos uh, some some colors that have uh, cards or card combinations that just don't have a good commander for them yet and so, you know, if you can look at a new commander, you're like, oh, this is a infinite mana outlet. And then, you know, it's like, oh, you know, this is it's actually a really good infinite mana outlet for, you know, such and such combo. Um, for Or for an example of something that's, like, not a combo, but is, like, way more classic. It's like, like, oh, this commander, like, works with, like, humility, or this works with stasis. Like, that's, yeah. like, not necessarily yeah, a combo, nice. but it's stuff that's, like, not suit, like, is, like, historically... Um, like legendarily super difficult to actually slot into decks effectively. And if you can see something that is like, oh, this works with like one of those things that you've always wanted to play, but can't really get to work in any shell. Yeah. Um, so yeah, developing that spices can be tricky, but if it, if it does a lot of things that others that you've seen other CDH commanders do, that's probably a good place to start and then just start, you know, running through everything that, that you can do in that color. Um, yeah. Um, we also have, does it cover a weakness that its color identity has? And, and this is another kind of, uh, I guess, sub category, because it realistically, if you're looking at this, it, it's done something, it's triggered that spotty sense or, and it's, it's fit into one of the categories or multiple categories that we had talked about. And, and here we're looking at, um, you know, maybe raising the ceiling on a low color uh, combination or something like that. So you could have a um, red deck that you know, is is all of a sudden uh, providing you a lot of card advantage, right? And I guess the best there there are some red commanders that are like stormy that do card advantagey things. So Zada and um, oh god, what's the one that that is it impulse draws off of uh, dealing damage to opponents? Florian, <laughs> Florian is red and black. Is Florian? It? What? Sorry, no, sir. Um, is Sir Kara? Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh god, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. No, so like that's that's what that's what the red card advantage commanders look yeah, like yeah, right yeah. now. So you know, if if you see um, a commander that's doing some red card advantage, uh, you can you know start looking in, in at spaces that are currently unexplored in uh, mono red and maybe there's actually um, you know something there 
So is it a non-green white commander that ramps? <laughs> yeah, that'd be yeah, nice. True, true. Um, cool. Uh, so that that's kind of our general heuristics for being a new commander. And and honestly, the kind of sad part is it just really you have to have experience and kind of you'll know it when you see it in terms of CDH viability to some extent. And and really, you just have to compare it to um, like you, this, this isn't like a, a this gives you a guideline for whether or not you know you should be considering it as viable, but whether to whether or not it crosses the threshold of um, you know the strength threshold is going to be something you need to experience to kind of determine. Like a, a good example of a, of a commander that I guess is probably you could probably make a CDH viable deck, but like you know, not a, an amazing one out of it is like Rasputin Dreamweaver, where it's you know, kind of a mana engine, but mostly a combo engine, um, and just has never really done much of anything in CDH. Um, I mean, it could be that you know people just aren't willing to spend. What is it? Three hundred, four hundred? How much that? How much that card costs now? <laughs> what? That uh, much money on one card? On, Did on go one, back down? one one bad commander. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought it went back down. It might not have. I don't know. I don't know the price of <laughs> Rasputin Dreamweaver. Off well, the, why not? Clearly, <laughs> clearly, we're not professionals, and we didn't do our research. Yeah. How could we not know how much Rasputin Dreamweaver costs? <laughs> At this exact never mind. At this exact moment, it costs about five hundred and sixty-five U.S. dollars. <laughs> yeah, okay, nailed it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, cool. Uh, so that's that's the commander criterion. Um, we've got some some more points we're going to talk about, and we're we're going to also get into talking about uh, individual cards and specific cards. So, but I'll I'll pass on this uh, this next point to someone else. Um. Yeah. So I mean. It, so if we were talking about commanders and comparing them to existing commanders before, this one's more about um, non-commander cards and um, sort of the base level of looking at them in context of existing decks. Um, so just like th this is really the easy one a lot of the time for like potentially like new removal spells, um, new tutors, new I guess like stacks pieces sometimes uh, that kind of or like just like card advantage spells, staples that kind of thing. Um, this is sort of the first place that you look for a lot of that stuff. Um, like, where where does it fit into an existing decks? Um, is it good enough for, um, like, higher color stuff? Is it only good enough for, like, niche, like, lower color decks that, like, need a specific effect but don't have access to it? Um, there's a lot of stuff here. Uh, yeah, really, think, I'd say, in yeah. In the context of a combo, I think... One I one type of card I try to look for is can this uh, piece in a combo simplify the combo overall? Mm, uh, I like so, that a lot. Yeah, yeah. This is like you know pretty typical of like pod type combos or whatever where you just have a lot of cards. Like I'd love to see something do something simpler and better. Yeah, I mean, there's and it could it it's. Sometimes not even simpler or better, but sometimes it could just be something like increasing the card quality of a combo piece, right? Maybe yeah. it doesn't simplify the combo or make it, you know, significantly cheaper or something, but, you know, it's just, it makes the, um, gives you a way to do the combo without, uh, um, 
having to run kind of dead slots you know um i feel like the the one t- like the like the best example of this is goto pre helm where like like Lyndon, i feel like you're the best to talk about this but i remember there being like some super convoluted combo yeah, I, I, where you had to get yeah. kiki into play so it was like the, blade the, of selves no, no so okay it was you would go blade of selves into um masterwork and um hammer of nizan i think and then you would go into uh heirloom blade nim death mantle death render and mortar pod <laughs> and uh and because goto was then a zombie so th- dude this, this combo was like refined over like a couple months and then basically as soon as we were done helm got spoiled and it was like okay well we can just throw all that garbage um but yeah and like because goto was a zombie you sacrifice him and then death render and um heirloom blade like they work to like search your library for the creature that has shares a type puts it into your hand and then puts it into play and the only zombie in your deck was neheb uh dreadhorde general the one that makes mana and mm. that's the one no that's the head of the eternal oh whatever there's too many heads um but yeah it was a very convoluted combo it had like 15 moving parts um and then you would assemble it mana yes. ping people to death and then they printed um helm the host it was, was the, like, it was oh. the eternal was the right one the eternal okay yeah, yeah and and then they printed helm the host and it's like well now we just need hammer of nizan and uh Helvin, we'll call it that. So, yeah. Much simplification. Um, they are removing a bunch of dead slots. Um, although, I'll say one one thing that I do... Um, eh, I, I guess maybe it's more... Con- I was going to say, like, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily be something new, but I feel like um, I like the inclusion of Sigil Tracer in... Um, you know, over over Isochron Scepter in kind of certain, like, I guess like a Thrasios kind of based dramatic Scepter deck. Um, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Like, I it's, it's, it's that sort of, it, I'm, 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 yeah. It's, it's, uh, this is a bit more of a dicey one because Isochron Scepter isn't kind of just straight up bad. But um, it, I think the kind of argument would be that uh, Sigil Tracer has more kind of generic utility um, than. Than Isochron Scepter, and then it's you, you. If you commit your the problem with Scepter is like if you commit it to board to get value out of it, you're locking yourself out of combo. Whereas just playing the Sigil Tracer is both providing you value and keeping you open to combo, and you know comboing at instant speed. So it's like you know, and obviously this is a bit of a it's a weird side grade because we're you when you're going from Isochron Scepter to Sigil Tracer, you're it's looking at an older card, and not a new one. Um, but it's that kind of shift in card quality or the way it interacts with your deck um that you yeah. might want to keep your Just eye the open. fact that it's a creature <laughs> is <laughs> yeah, in that deck. did they print an effect on a creature that hasn't been printed on a creature before yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they print an effect on a land that has been printed on a land before mm. oh god <laughs> take anyway. that back take that back yeah. i know you know what i'm just gonna let it sit we can move past it if you don't want to move past it, that's fine, but cool, let it sit there. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe maybe we'll save talking about current spoilers that, that were... Because, I mean, by the time we talk about, or by the time this episode is out, you know, probably a bunch of spoilers that are um, going to have come out. That, yeah, yeah, uh, I, I mean, exactly. But I, I'd be down to 
discuss some of the things that we've seen so far at the end of this and we can kind of review them in real time and kind of give our thoughts to kind of you know put the the tips and heuristics that we've been uh showing into practice but uh yeah so that's in in the context of existing decks you know is it a combo piece um does it improve uh on existing combo pieces reduce slots that sort of thing um and uh we we have a uh, some more oh, yeah okay so for this next one um this isn't particularly in regards to hate pieces does it cover a wedge in the meta not already covered by another card um and this is especially important for decks that kind of do run slightly symmetrical hate pieces like can you remove some of those and cover the same you know meta piece that you'd like to cover yeah, that's a good point. I, I'm not sure if there are, like, good examples of it. Well, well I think... Wouldn't, wouldn't Dranith be something that's, like... Yeah, but I'm, yeah, I like I'm that. not sure, yeah. like... Like, is there something that we had before Dranith that was, like, not as... I guess not. I mean, so... Dranith took the place of cards like Grafdigger's Cage in hating out, like, uh... Oh, that's out fair. Things yeah. like Breach or Yogmoth's Will. Uh, obviously, they don't cover exactly the same stuff, but... It's yeah. asymmetrical. I think another. I think another really good example of this was deafening silence, uh, both in mm. being uh, an anti-storm card. You could get down a lot earlier than others because it costs one mana rather than three like normal rule of laws or two like thorns and spheres, which are kind of iffy. Um, but the other big thing is that there are a lot of decks that can really take advantage of the specific non-creature clause on Deafening Silence and, like, anything anything with a lot of creatures, obviously, like, that's most extreme in a deck like Hullen, but even just, like, a mid-range Thrasios and Timna deck can play it, like, pretty easily um, and, you know, spend their turn developing their boards, hold up interaction, and you only need to cast one piece of interaction on other people's turns. Um, and then, and then, like feel very comfortable playing the game in a way that like maybe they wouldn't under uh under an actual factual rule of law um and so it's not just about like what does it hit it's also like what can you uh what what can you still play with it uh you know what does it not hit almost yeah deafening silence is a good example i was honestly thinking <laughs> like if Cass ever got a Grafdigger's Cage that didn't screw Cass, that would just be <laughs> awesome. I mean, you did, right? You got a Douthy. Douthy. Yeah, that's yeah. True. <laughs> Too late though. Too late. That doesn't stop. That doesn't stop. Uh, like, because I feel like what Cass also wants to hit like the Neo forms and stuff, right? Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, Dude, op agent plus uh, op agent plus Douthy. Now you're a creature. Yeah, <laughs> now you're a creature. Command, back. Commander Legends, Commander, Commander Modern Horizons Legends. Uh, it's just gonna be Douthy staple to op agent staple to Holbert, it's, no. uh, Looking forward to it. Uh, wait, but do the do the flash from op agent and Holbreacher put together cancel out? No, no, they make it so it's like a pack to where like you can literally uh, play it for free. You just have to pay for it. Yeah, it's got it's got the yeah. uh, the the elemental invocation or incarnate. What are they? Whatever the 
endurance. No, 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 no. It's it's like it's like rocket powered turbo slug. Like you can just play it for free, and then you have to pay for it next turn. You can play. You can just play it from your. You could play it for free and attack with it on an opponent's attack phase. Yeah, and it's got the three two from all three of them. Yeah, exactly. Can't forget that. Of course. So on a sl- slightly more serious note, uh, and sort of building on the comment uh, someone made, you know, did they print something on a creature that didn't used to be on a creature? Uh, one of the one of the things you should really look for uh, when evaluating a new card is what tutors find it. Um, obviously, this is, I think, more prevalent with creatures uh, than others because um, there's a set of like more restricted creature tutors, but it can also be relevant um for something like like merchant scroll finding things uh can be quite useful or model the mixture in decks that are interested in that um just having a piece that's more accessible than a previous uh than a previous piece to accomplish some given task can be hugely uh you know beneficial for those decks um some obvious examples of this are uh grist in particular was like creature tutorable yeah, removal uh yeah. was was really big um spellseeker when it came out was also actually massive because it sort of allowed like, you to turn yeah. the it allowed you to turn all of the access you needed or the all the access you had to green creatures by the green creature tutors into the instants and sorceries that you needed uh obviously that was more extreme with both hulk and flash being legal but <laughs> yeah, or like just a bit with both hulk being played and flash being legal but it's still uh, a card that like in a lot of decks lets you sort of turn one thing into uh another and like bridge a gap and and thus increase the access that you have to like a very specific set of things or um the various mages that have come out like uh tribute mage and trophy mage i believe yeah. for the the relatively new ones um, yeah that can find you like specific combo pieces and decks like that um or you know crater maker as like goblin tutorable removal in in mono yeah Red. baby uh <laughs> but, but yeah as a natural order tutor target wow <laughs> yeah that's cool. um but yeah just like it, it's important to sort of realize um when a card particularly when the effects are like pretty similar um one of the important things that might make a difference is just the accessibility you have to it particularly for like a silver bullet type card um and i mean i don't know i don't know how i got this far into this topic without mentioning collector roof because i think that's the most uh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah like the largest the most important one of those but potentially uh, the largest upgrade uh hate effect has ever had from a swap in yeah. card types <laughs> yeah um that one was huge um but yeah just you know that's an important thing to uh to consider and, and it's generally not not too difficult like it's not difficult to see um if you look at effects that people are already running and then just go like okay this does something similar to that and voila i can find it off of green sun Note. i mean that being yeah. said you you can certainly like the i think the base case is very easy to evaluate but certainly there are some things with it where like you get into like more niche tutoring scenarios um they can like have a real effect on how strong a card is but won't be super obvious because it doesn't match up with like 
the existing like super commonly played tutors tutors um so wizard typing is yeah i I was like (laughs) so wizard typing is the big one these days because with two wizard cycling uh cards one of which is actually chain tutorable through like stuff like mystical tutor um it's actually super big for stuff to have wizard types in like low color blue decks now um you also see stuff like like i i don't think we actually have a uh we don't really have a tutor for it, or, like, a tutor target for it yet, but, like, for something like Cataran Summons, where it's, like, one-mana demonic Cataran tutor. Summon. It's one-mana demonic tutor for a mercenary. Okay. <laughs> just, oh but just, like... God. No, I, I've seen that card before. Yeah, yeah just yeah, things yeah. like that, where, it's like, the... So the that means, like, if they ever the print a really important changeling. Yeah, exactly. That's... Like, if... Or if, like, they ever print, like, a some, like, black-white commander that combos with Mirror Entity. It's just like, oh, like immediately I have this like one mana tutor for my combo well, actually, piece. Actually, speaking of, of niche tutors Huge and spell. um and changeling. So when I was working on a um like a setin brew, and uh one of the so so in, in setin, like uh you obviously it gives all of your uh druids, you know, it's like an earthcraft for druids. So uh, you know, um future sight creature effects is pretty good. So when they printed Realm Walker that's you know it's a changing, so it's also a druid. That's that's sick. But one of the most hilarious interactions in the deck, I think, is that um, Treefolk Harbinger, which is a Treefolk druid, can, can top deck for realm walker. Your realm walker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, all kinds of of really changing is a type that that is uh, yeah. If they ever print like a super super duper interesting changeling, um, that's for like the ninety nine and. Yeah, but we'll but there are like just a bunch of those like random tutor ish things lying around that like you can definitely look into whenever like new interest like specifically creatures but also like other card types are spoiled oh, like sure. yeah I oh the other the other big one right now is like auras and equipments right because those are like super tutorable in the right colors um, specifically in white and like it might not be super obvious that like something might be super accessible if it's an equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Um Cool. Uh so then we have oh I actually I was going to say one more thing. Yeah, there's there's uh we were talking about, you know, a comb a piece that it's itself is tutorable. Um and, and one thing you could also consider we you know, we're talking about wizards for blue. Um you know, is is this something like what if they print a zero or one cost artifact that combos with a um something in mono white right the fact that you could tutor chain through um urza saga you know because white can have an easier time tutoring enchantments than um artifacts uh i mean it's got they've got you know enlightened tutor which can tutor either but uh you know most of the time you know, you've got a much easier time tutoring enchantments so then you could find urza saga then find the piece you need um that sort of thing so also look at uh keep your mind open to tutor chain and even that like also on the topic of like one man artifact combos, Artificer's Intuition Man, card that hasn't yeah. been broken yet, but it's it's ripe for it. If you guys need to see how broken Artificer's Intuition can be, go look up um the Gregory Hatch oh YouTube video on YouTube where he just <laughs> describes his Artificer's Intuition Legacy Brew. That's an off, <laughs> icon, I- iconic classic magic video. 
We crack um, LED and activate Artifice's intuition two times. We can cast the Salvage that, Titan and two bobbles. That two-thirds two profitability. <laughs> <laughs> I call it surfing. Yeah, no, dude, classic video. Uh, I lo- Every video with that has Gregory Hatch in it is, is a winner. Um, yeah. Dude, we should, go, we should go find him and make him brew CDH decks. Oh my god. Oh, this is... If... if, if if this podcast if culminates in like if the entire purpose of this podcast was really just to get enough like accumulate and just the cloud minimum to, bare amount of cloud yeah. to get Gregory Hatch on on the podcast, dude, that would be absolutely legendary. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so that was that was what tutors find it. Um we also have at looking at comparable existing effects. Yeah, so I mean this is another one that's uh like more aimed at things like um again staples removal um interactive pieces we see this a lot with counter spells um where if people are looking to like people will see a new counter spell um like i think the most recent one probably recent memory is like miscast i think yeah, yeah that could right. be wrong i i think it sounds right um where people initially are like oh this is just like so much better than other stuff that I'm already playing. Like, I'm just gonna put this in my deck, and, or whatever. Or other people being like, no, this is unplayable. I'm never putting this in any deck that I'm ever playing. Like, it really, for a lot of the time, you just have to look at, like, actually compare it to existing effects rather than just making snap decisions on it and just be like, what are what are the actual upsides and downsides of this? Um, So, like, looking at it, you'd, like, say, for example, like, we'll take the miscast, for example, like, if... I actually wanted to, like, evaluate it and see if I wanted to, like, I'm seeing miscast for the first time, like, hmm, is this going in my decks? If Is it not? What about it? Like, you actually just have to break down upsides, downsides, so, like, compare it to Dispel. Well, they target, they both target instants, but miscast also gets sorceries, that's an upside, um, but... Uh, miscast is a soft counter it's not a hard counter so downside um and what does that mean well you can extrapolate from there right like okay well that means that if i really need to hit the extra card type this thing's probably better but if i'm going into a long game and i'm most likely like going to be trying to hit instance and i don't really care about sorcery that much then dispel is probably better i don't really need this so like actually a a dispel miscast spell pierce uh fluster storm alignment chart you know yeah exactly (laughs) but it's really it i really think that like people actually just need to walk through the upside downside list on new cards more often because like you'll see a lot of people just make like snap decisions i'm like oh this is so much better because of this specific scenario i'm just gonna put it in all my decks over this now (laughs) it's like strictly better have you have you actually that's, that's thought about this? <laughs> yep. Oh, God. I, I feel like we've... Actually, consult, strangely enough... I feel like I'm always stuck on Flusterstorm. Oh, yeah. No I mean... What. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not playing Flusterstorm in all my decks, but certainly you have to think about what you're actually putting in. That being said, like, in terms of Strictly Better, I'm actually... What's the last time you actually heard somebody use Strictly Better in a CDH-related conversation? Because I feel like we... Actually, maybe successfully sort of started to kill that thing. Dead. Once and for all. Yeah, that's probably mm. it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sorry, Reed. Um, <laughs> but it did get banned. So yeah, there that, you go. I mean, yeah. Yeah, if that, that, that means that we were probably using it correctly. If it's Strictly <laughs> better is not safe. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I do want to say, though, I think one thing that uh, 
people the one mistake that people often make is um they they only like if they're if you're looking at a specific card for a specific deck they only compare it to like similar cards that they're already playing um, right and like so let's say they print a new counter spell that looks appealing for your deck like it's not necessarily true that the correct cut for it is like whatever you deem is the worst of i don't know dispel or miscast that you're already playing like that's uh that's not necessarily something you can assume and so what you need to do is you need to go like okay um first of all like let's compare this to like a couple of the counter spells that i think are best that i'm not playing um like maybe you're already not on let's say you already weren't on spell pierce you were on dispel you weren't on spell pierce um so i mean first there's the is this better than dispel and then if you are if it is then obviously you're going to be finding a slot for it and maybe that slot isn't dispel uh but maybe it is but if it's not better than dispel that doesn't mean you're not finding a slot for it right you need to go like okay uh, how much better is it than the next worst card? Yeah, like so. I mean, if you let's if if spell pierce isn't good enough, then you can at least compare it to spell pierce and go, okay, I think this is worse than spell pierce in my deck. So, and I don't think spell pierce is good enough, so I'm not looking for a slot for it. But if it's better than spell pierce, then maybe you do need to, you know, make an evaluation of like, okay, can I drop a piece of removal or my worst mana rock or you know whatever whatever slot you may find in your deck um but i you know i just want to caution people against like locking in your ratios of cards and being unwilling to sort of change them as new cards and new effects come out um because i think that is overly limiting yeah i think i think one thing is is with the way that things are with ratios of, of cards is like it it often boils it's like oh i've got the perfect amount of artifacts and and you know artifact ramp or whatever and it's like if they printed if they printed you know an, a second soul ring is is it do you are you just going to cut the the last the next worst piece of of ramp like is that is that where it is um like maybe maybe a better example cuz if it's like you know um a deck with uh, like a mono green deck or maybe not mono green but like a, a green based deck where you're mostly ramping through um, one-drop dorks, and then, you know, even though you're running Null Rods and Collector Oop, you're still running your Soul Ring and Mana Crypt, right? They printed second Soul Ring. You're probably not going to cut um, one of your dorks to slot that in. Um, like, o- often, it's you run every single dork that's possible uh, because the next worst one-mana ramp is significantly worse. Um, so that's kind of like a haphazard me trying to kind of cobble together an example of why using like the hard amount of slots isn't necessarily right because a lot of these aren't kind of arrived at super empirically right it really is uh this kind of feels right and i know that the next worst card is is quite a bit worse than um the current worst in slot card so you know you, you definitely need to compare how much better the uh the next worst card is you know for each of your different card categories okay uh moving on to the next one um i've got a couple of things that i like to use for um determining whether or not a card is 
it, it a lot a lot of times this is surrounding cards that are maybe not you know as obvious as something or when i say miscast is obvious i mean like miscast it's obvious what you're comparing it to right you're, you're comparing it to uh dispel spell pierce um it's got a, a pretty defined thing but i like to use um this kind of heuristic which is how much are you really paying for the effect for things that are um maybe not so obvious so uh one that came up that came up recently i think um and there was a lot of hype surrounding this card is malevolent hermit um and it's how much are you really paying for the effect is is something that that i think is important to consider so um to make it like a simple case, Glenelendra, uh, Archmage, you're, you're paying four mana for the body and then one blue mana for the first counterspell and then one blue mana for the second counterspell. So it's a total of six mana for two um, negates that are uncounterable. So that's, that's a three mana uncounterable negate um, you know, per on rate. So that's, that's the kind of thing that I'm going to use for Malevolent Hermit. So what are you paying for Malevolent Hermit? You're getting, on the front side, um, you're getting a three mana um, uncounterable, uh, you know, mana leak negate, or I don't know what the proper term for that would be. But yeah, counter target non-creature spell unless they pay three. And then on the back side, you're, you're paying um, three for that uncounterability. Now on the front side, that three mana, um, you know, counter target non-creature spell unless you pay three is below rate. You know, look at how often negate sees play. Um, and and uh, the fact that this is also a, you know, counter unless you pay three um, certainly does factor into this. If there was a hard negate, you know, and if it was just the, um, you know, if it was, I guess that would make it one half of Glenelendra because you get, you know, three mana counter non creature spell um, uncounterably, then that's a bit different. But because it is it is that um tax, you know, it's only they they still can uh get through it by paying three mana, you, you've got to evaluate it um you know comparatively. And a lot of the cards that you would look at just aren't seeing play because they're poor on rate. So if if it was just the front side of Malevolent Hermit, would you play it? Is basically the question. And I think mm, pretty much in all cases it's gonna be a no unless you're something, you're getting additional synergy out of the card, um, like in Azami, or you're recurring it, like Muldrotha or something, you know? Um, and then, so that brings you to the backside. Um, how much is, because the, the, the thing with the backside is, is the card is not modal, necessarily, right? You can't just pay three mana to have all your non-creature spells be uncounterable. You have to go through the bad rate on the front side first. So that is something that I like to add on to the rate that I'm looking at the back side. So am I willing to pay a you know below rate counterspell on the front side to then get access to the back side for three? And I think in a lot of decks, actually, the answer is uh, probably not. Um, it's not something that I just throw into every deck that's running blue um, and wants to resolve uh, you know non-creature spells. You need to be more conscious and deliberate about it. So a lot of things like, I think, Malevolent Hermit, if you have the additional wizard synergy, or if you're able to cheat um, to get to the backside, then it becomes a lot more appealing because you don't have to go through the front side uh, that is below rate. So uh, like it in Brawl, where you can just pitch it to 
uh, Brawl's ability and then uh, disturb it or pay it for disturbed cost. Um, so yeah, and then you you can apply this to a bunch of different um, effects. And I guess one of the um, hmm, I was gonna say, does anyone, do you guys have another uh, good example of something that let's um, come up somewhat recently in spoilers or you know that, that you think fits that kind of uh, you can you can apply that kind of analysis to? This is a very good example. <laughs> like, it's kind of hard to beat. Um, very specific one. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, it, it, I, the reason why I put down this in our, in our show notes and in the first place was because I, I thought people were um, way overhyped on Malevolent Hermit for kind of what they're getting. Um, and yeah. and it's, it's just so easy to be distracted by the, the backside and, and, you know, for only three men, I'm getting this effect. That's insane, right? Um, yeah. Uh, and then so I also have, um, you know, kind of a follow-up point, which is, does this add something to my deck slash strategy that I don't currently have? So this is um, kind of a good general heuristic to use, um, but uh, it can go astray. So uh, an example would be. Um, Witherbloom Apprentice and Chain of Smog, right? When Witherbloom Apprentice was printed or was spoiled, everyone was like, oh my god, two-card combo in Golgari. It's basically Thassa's Oracle Console. <laughs> um, it, and, and that's not even an over-exaggeration people were saying um, and making that kind of comparison. So that does add something to, you know, Dexter strategies that don't really have that kind of two-card combo, right? You know, people talked about it in Gitrog, and people talked about it in a bunch of different decks. That you know, basically anything that was low color Golgari, people were talking about um, Wither Smog. But the point that you know I would like to say is, is this something that I need? So it's you know, it's something I don't currently have. That's for sure. So it's allowing me to attack on a different axis, like a more efficient combo. Um, but is that something that I need? So it's got to be you know adding something to the deck, but it can't just be, you know, arbitrary. It's got to be something that's worthwhile. So in Wither Smog, uh, I'll, I'll go through an example for Gitrog, because this is something that I, I, you know, there's been a bit of controversy on the Frog server about people talking about this, and I, I kind of want to clean this up. So the, the Wither Smog combo, I, I, I was talking to one of the guys who was kind of an advocate for it, and he was... Um, he was saying that it, it provides him as a good plan um, B or C, you know, and if, in case his plan A doesn't go well. And in plan A for Gitrog is uh, your standard, you know, Gitrog, Dakmore, Salvage, Discard Outlet combo. So what needs to happen for you to abandon that plan? Well, if Gitrog is removed or countered, um, most of the time the deck is pretty well suited to just replay Gitrog. Um, your your plan B is often just your plan A again, um, so you're you're not really going to want to uh, your get gets removed or countered. You know you're not going to be like, well, you know, screw this. I need to try and work on assembling Wither Smog. No, that's that's not usually how it's going to go. Um, so then, what if it's like your plan C or D? You know, like it's you know you've been stopped two or three times. Um, then what? Well, you know, is 
So I could go for I could put a combo into my deck like Wither Smog because then I get my commander's prohibitively expensive at this point. Or no, maybe I should look at other things first. So uh, to to solve the same problem that that I'm you know thinking that I'm gonna solve by adding Wither Smog. So um, Command Beacon. That's a card that used to be run in Gitrog. That's you know not being run right now because there isn't uh, much need for it. And and you know it it if your commander gets removed a bunch, you can uh, get the, the cost back and, and you can reduce the cost by putting it back into your hand. That solves that problem. If you're locked out of your commander because of a Douthy, um, and so you're like, oh, if I can't cast my commander, no, sorry, not Douthy, uh, Dranith. If I can't cast my commander because of Dranith, I can go for Wither Smug, or I could just go for a Command Beacon, you know, put it into my hand, play it. So, you know, just going for plan A again. So, is is it really solving a problem if you're able to solve that problem better doing other things even though it's attacking on a unique axis mm, probably not um especially considering the inherent weaknesses of the combo so there's and and, and i mean the, the kind of details of the conversation went on even further to talk about um stacks metas and blah 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 but like yeah you know we don't <laughs> have to rehash the entire conversation i had with the guy but uh to summarize it is just is this is this solving a problem that I can't solve um, better doing something else? Because you know, if the problem was so much of a problem um, that I needed to solve it, and I have better options, why haven't I done that already? So, yeah. Yeah. if if that's that, that that kind of sums it up in a neat little bow, I think. Also, in regards to how much are you really paying for the effect? <laughs> it's not just. A yeah. small amount of mana. You're also discarding your hand. Yeah, it's the the one of the biggest problems with Wither Smog is if you if you it it dies to I I think I there's like four or five pieces of um interaction that don't stop it in CDH. Literally every other piece of interaction stops it, and <laughs> and two of those are Red Blast and and Pyroblast. You know, it's uh, it's Dispel, Red Blast, Pyroblast, um. Oh god, but yeah, like you know, misdirections, deflecting swats, um, like everything, everything just stops it. It's it's yeah, pretty brutal. Um, and then if you know, look at the worst case scenario if that combo fails, uh, you are left hellbent and with nothing, um, but a two two that. Thanks, no people. Text. What do you gas stuff? Cross, <laughs> cross your fingers they print a commander that shows up that weakness. Actually, it sucks because it doesn't even ping people. It makes them lose life, so you can't even like put a curiosity on it or anything. <laughs> you just <laughs> you're just stuck with it, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, if you yeah, something you know, Matt, Matt was saying, you know, how much does it really cost? You know, in terms of costing, you know, your hand or whatever. Um, something that could also be you should look at in terms of cost is, um, how much does it cost? You know, to protect. Do I is this a combo that has built in resiliency? Or is it, you know, very fragile and do I need to um, bake in, you know, some kind of counter magic cost into the cost of that card itself when evaluating? Um, Wither Smog, you probably need to bake in either the cost of like a Sylvan Safekeeper or a Veil of Summer or Autumn Veil or something, you know? Um, so yeah. Yeah. Um, and now we have a list of... Um, <laughs> A quick list of of some kind of more, I wouldn't even say they're meme heuristics, but uh, 
these are definitely they're, things you should definitely be aware are of. Meme-y. They're they're legitimate, but very meme. <laughs> yeah. All right. Rapid fire. Do you want to just Let's jump through them. Okay. Oh, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I, I'm down, y'all. I'll, I'll go through them. Go for it. Go for it. All right, cool. Um, first up, we got, if it's a 1-3 to CMC creature with lots of text, check health files. <laughs> check. <laughs> Is it a 3 or 4 CMC? Check Evolution Thrasios. <laughs> Is it 7 CMC? Check Tassiger. <laughs> Does it produce 2 or more mana? Check Seaboard Muse. Is it an equipment? Check Cole. Commander, can it block Timna? <laughs> Is it a green creature? Check your son. <laughs> Artifact, check Oswald. Does yeah, it enter no. the battlefield? Check Urian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's... Yeah, the, the problem is, is, is every new card has... It's gonna meet one criteria. One yeah. criteria to check some commander. Yeah. It's, Is yeah. It a oh, actually, check Golos. I, oh. I did. Oh, I did find. No, too soon. <laughs> Matt, too soon. Is it? Is it a card in blue or green? Definitely don't check Edric because they'll never play it. <laughs> I swear. I heard they were talking that the new one. I swear, I swear, Edric has not changed in, like, three years because Edric pilots refuse to play any new cards on, like, just completely arbitrary (laughs) They've got some matrix that they're obsessed with, with, um, card typing and rogue stuff, I think. (laughs) It's just so weird. This is my real, this is the check I've been wanting forever. Is it a white and black commander, a CMC 2 or less? Yo, let's go. <laughs> check check Laris, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Let's go. Um cool. So I think that wraps it up with most of our kind of rule of thumb heuristics for um evaluating spoilers. Uh yeah, I'll, these are general tips and it's hard to even if you were to apply all of these, it's a lot of it is kind of just experience. Um which is unfortunate and but you know, a way to kind of get experience or check to see if um other people are are kind of thinking the same as you is to just check you know discords around spoiler season um you know most people let you know uh it's on every single disc and every single deck discord you know new card comes out someone will say is this you know what do we think about this for our deck and uh yeah i mean people people let you know so you can kind of get a, a gauge on what people are thinking that way um you want to see you know if similar cards are being run uh, another decks check the deck list database uh, there's all kinds of great resources for it um you know every every resource is great um except for the subreddit post comments you know that's <laughs> yeah yikes i'm just kidding um no so um yeah i wanted to end this kind of topic by going over some of the um spoilers that we've seen so far for um neon dynasty and applying some of the rules that we talked about. Um, so, I think a one that I saw that I really want to—I mean, one we can talk about is free because we just talked about the meme. This is it. Seven CMC check Tassiger. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> we did get a new seven CMC card spoiled. That Definitely did. Uh, and might go in Tassiger. And the that is boy got complicated. <laughs> Jigitaxia's Progress Tyrant. Um, so it's for five double blue, five five. Uh, whenever you cast an artifact, instant, or sorcery spell, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for copy. And then whenever an opponent casts an artifact, instant, or sorcery spell, counter that spell. 
this ability triggers only once each turn. So, mm. sort of interesting. Um, interesting. Um, some some notable notable things is I think the because I guess this Jinkataxis one is a bit weird because there was like a leak, oh, like a, almost a year ago or something. Yeah, it was part of Strixhaven. Strixhaven, yeah, where where people thought like that there was some leak that had a Jinkataxis that had very similar text, but it was like you know some notable differences and people were freaking out over that one. Um, and the that one was flash and uncounterable. So I, I definitely... it had flash and uncounterable, and also um, it's whenever an op- it it was it triggered off of each opponent, not whenever an opponent casts an, uh, a spell and it triggers only once each turn. Yeah, it was what? whenever an opponent casts um, their first the spell. first spell. Yeah, yeah. And, so and also it made your spell free rather like it made your first spell free yeah. rather than copying it, but. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, the thing is, I think the actual, the first, the first text copying versus making it free. Yeah, I like copy um, better. Co- copy has a lot of, of benefits. Um, I mean, so it does, but like, I, I feel like making it free opens up more no, stuff open, yeah. as a standalone commander. But I think like yeah, the, yeah. the copy is probably better for like just putting it in random text. Yeah, for for sure. But like, because obviously. A, a copy is maxing out at a free copy of a spell that you already cast, which presumably is worse than casting the first copy of that spell for free in most instances. Mm. Uh, I mean, making having two counter spells is a lot better than a, a free counter spell in certain having, situations. Having two consults is certainly better than having a free. <laughs> That's sure, exactly but like, <laughs> but like, I mean, okay, I think I think a free spell caps out higher. Because having a free, sure. I don't know, Enter the Infinite is is better than oh, two yes. copies of Consult or what, like, yeah, whatever. But, uh, yeah, it, I it, think I, I would I would say basically having two copies gives it you know like pseudo uncounterable, um, yeah. or just at least it ups the requirements to counter whatever spell you. Also, I think um, Flash uncounterable counter the first spell each opponent casts each turn is like the most toxic thing. Ever. So I'm glad they didn't do I, I, that. Well, I think what they did is they split the. Uh, they must have split Jinkataxius into two cards. Uh, one being Hallbreaker Horror and one being this Jinkataxius. Who knows? From that original leak. Because I. Isn't, isn't Hall. What's the stats on Hallbreaker Horror? Is it 7 7? It's a 7 7 6? 7 8. I think the, the original Jinkataxius was like a 5 7 or something. I was like. I knew there, there was something with the power toughness that kind of. Hallbreaker Horror was reminiscent of, and then also the Flash Uncounterable. Um, yeah, speaking of other seven drops that are great in Tasker. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, we totally missed a heuristic. Is it eight mana? Check. Thrasios Dargo. <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, I, I would say actually, at, you know, first blush, this is definitely something to um, that I would consider for Tasker. Um, looking at Kind of the text, um, quite strong. But then I, I would go back to the heuristic that I was saying with, um, uh, like Wither Smog. Uh, does it add something new to the deck, and um, is this something that I kind of need? Does it solve a problem that you know actually needs solved? So the current suite that you could go to in terms of seven drops for Tasker, 
I would say there's probably like two guaranteed runs. One that's like, you know, a flex slot. One that's like kind of even more of a flex slot. And then let's see where Ginnigataxius falls into there. Or, or if there's instances where Ginnigataxius, you know, would, would come up that others... It, it solves a problem that, that the others don't. So our current, I'd say, guaranteed to are uh, Hullbreaker Horror and Toxrill. So Toxrill, great into very creature-heavy boards or metas. Um, kind of just emanates or, like, dominates the board as soon as it, it, it comes down. And then it can also provide card advantage. Um, very nice. Uh, then we've got Hullbreaker Horror. Um, great for removing, you know, problematic permanents. Um, turns non-counterspells into counterspells, or just turns your uh, counterspells into kind of more uncounterable, in a sense, because you can, if someone taps out for an Ad Nauseum, with Force of Will and all this stuff back up, you can just cast any spell and then use the trigger to bounce it. So um, gives you great control over the stack. Um, and then it's also a combo engine. So we've got control of the board, control over the stack. Um, then we're looking at something like Nezahal. Okay, well, when would Nezahal be useful? Well, Nezahal, um, if you can't necessarily, like if, if you're maybe you're into a more stormy pod, um, you know, Nezahal is a great kind of more value piece to, to throw down than something like a Hallbreaker Horror, um, which kind of requires you to be actively casting spells to kind of, maintain that control over the game and then Nezahal obviously also has this kind of evasion so it's kind of protecting itself um the last one that people kind of look at is uh or did used to look at is coma which um i think is mostly invalidated by toxrill because you're kind of looking at it as a uh way to take over the board um and do some controlling um but i think you know kind of coma gets there's not many instances where I think I would go for Coma over either Nezahal or Toxrill. And then Jingataxius. Where do we think this fits in? Does this solve a problem that we can't currently solve with one of our other targets? Is there a, uh, a good situation that you'd go into Jingataxius over something else? Th there's another target, which is Tidespout, just to kind of go off Reed's point of copying a console. Like, is this going to be a more efficient, better win than a Tidespout? Well, oh, with Hallbreaker Horror? Yeah. I mean, I think Hallbreaker Horror is the one you can neoform into, obviously. Uh, yeah. Oh, so I literally had those two cards backwards, yeah. Terrible. Uh, but, yeah, I think I, I think that that's... That might actually depend on the build of, of Tasker. Like, I could certainly see... I could certainly see a build that doesn't want to set itself up to be able to consistently... Um, to consistently Tidespout, Tyrant, or Hullbreaker Horror win. Like, um, typically, that, you know, in a deck like Urza, it's very easy because, like, any Zoom-in artifact with, like, remote upside is already in consideration. Already in the deck. <laughs> um, which means that, like, you don't actually need one of, like, a relatively narrow set of set of cards whereas like i could definitely see myself building a tassiger deck that like wasn't super into the idea of you know being able to consistently turn on mox opal or... and like playing mox amber like like tassiger is like the worst with mox amber because it only makes black which is definitely yeah. not 
what like which doesn't well, even one activate thing that some Tasker. tasker lists run is i think astral cornucopia yeah uh, but that's it, cursed and i hate it it so. is cursed i'll do, do so <laughs> I, I was doing a tasker brew with um uh andrew from the uh frog server and uh he wanted to, to brew tasker and so we're brewing that and we came up with a cool piece of tech that kind of um does the same um or does a similar thing to it's a uh astral cornucopia but we think it's kind of bit much more it's for sure 100 percent more spicy um whether it's better or not is debatable but it's uh a shri corn so shri corn lets you um one you know stop early top deck tutors um but then also kind of accelerate you into a turn two tasker um and then it can also uh go infinite with uh hallbreaker horror because it's a uh, cheap enough to go um infinite with a uh a crypt or a um, vault and then it's also a win out so you don't even need to it's instead of getting infinite you know mana of your colors or infinite colored mana you just mill people out so yeah that was our spicy piece but yeah um but yeah personally looking at jinkataxius i don't think that there's many boards where even in a, in a build that's not dedicated for hallbreaker horror where I would rather go to Jingitaxius than, you know, Nezahal or something. I feel like most of, um, you know, because Jingitaxius getting to stop one, um, the, the first, uh, the first kind of, it's not even just non-creature, the first artifact instant or sorcery spell gets by an opponent uh, per turn compared to, um, you know, just drawing off of each of these and disincentivizing people to cast spells that way. Because it's pretty easy to kind of just throw something away uh, into Jinkataxius, and then it's pretty easy to ignore from that point on. And then it has the kind of Hallbreaker horror text of uh, you need to be able to cast spells to get the benefit of the first uh, first kind of effect. I mean, yeah, so yeah, I think that's it's a little bit different, but yeah. Like I, I could I could see a board where like if there wasn't if Toxrill wasn't super appealing, getting it as a value piece like might be better in a game that's like like stalled because uh it, it doesn't rely on your opponents doing anything to generate value, but definitely feels uh pretty narrow. Uh, which I think, you know, sort of ties back into our original discussions. One thing I've also seen a bunch of people talk about is um, setting up locks with him, and I just want to say that's not how that works. It does not work that way. <laughs> uh, so don't get yourself pranked by thinking that, uh, that you know, rule of law plus, uh, plus Jinga Taxis is a lock, because uh, your opponents can just have multiple people it's called, cast spells they, yeah it, it's something called cooperation i know it doesn't happen that often but <laughs> yeah um, so that's that's jingataxius and then um i think maybe the last one we can touch on and I think, I think this is maybe the most exciting card that everyone was freaking out about today is um Baseju who in what is this endures, endures. yeah Baseju who endures uh, so this is a legendary land, taps for a green, comes into play untapped. 
and it has a uh, channel. So for one and a green, you can discard uh, Oseju uh, to destroy target artifact, enchantment, or non-basic land and opponent controls. Then that player may search the library for a land card with a basic land type, put it into the battlefield, then shuffle. And it costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control. So a take that I've kind of been coming around to is I legitimately think that almost or at least personally that almost any deck that i would want to put in nature's claim into i think i'd rather be running this than nature's claim and i mean that's it's a bit of a hot take but also i think it's not super not really. unreasonable yeah i mean just being uncounterable is just nuts it's uncounterable crazy, is yeah. nuts and then the the modality of just like if if you had a, a two mana uncounterable um nature's claim that you know first of all it also hits lands uh Second also gets around rule of laws and silences. Um, that if you if you had that on a spell, that could also just be um, like modally a waste. I th I think that would just still be incredible, and this is just better than that. So yeah, I, I think I think nature's claim is dead now. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, you could certainly convince me that running two run nature's both. claims in a yeah. deck isn't isn't like yeah, it's crazy but um but yeah so uh, yeah one thing i think people and, and we we kind of talked about this or actually morgan had talked about this about not getting too tied up in slots um which is i think one thing that people the one thing i think people you you would see them kind of immediately do is well this is a land um and nature's claim you know well that's an instant well if i'm going to run this over nature's claim now, why am I, I should maybe just cut a land to put this in. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, you know, a, a lot of times your decks have certain color requirements. Um, like, for instance, if you're running, um, um, you know, Nature's Claim in a, in a Thrasios Timna um, deck, right? And, and you're pretty happy with your, your mana base as is. Um, and you're like, oh, I can cut Nature's Claim and run Beseju. And then I can also cut a land, you know, because I want to keep my land count the same. Um, now I have this free slot. Well, what you've done is you've made your land base worse instead of just upgrading a card that you were already running. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely an important thing to consider here. Um, which is just if you're if you're going to view this as a card replacement for Nature's Claim, don't just go cutting lands unless it's um, it is something that you can just put in for a land slot because. Let's say you're in mono green, or uh, you're like your Yisan, or your your Gitrog, where uh, you're low enough color that the uh, the land slot is is you're not compromising on colors to put in this. Then something good that you can do there, and then you can cut the nature's claim and have that free slot. Yeah. Um. Do you <laughs> do you guys have anything to to say in terms of evaluating this card? Because I feel like. It's pretty it's just obviously dumb. amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's it's just dumb. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think the best advice here is to not cut a land for it. Yeah. Or at least um, caution. Uh so I, I would say that for most decks, except for exactly I'm trying to fit this into Cody right now and find space in the mana base for the, for it there. And I think you actually just cut a land for it there. Yeah, for in Cody in Cody, I think it, Cody is more like <laughs> Yassan than it is like Thrasios Tim. That is such a hot take, Whoa. but I love it. <laughs> okay, it's 
the fact that you the fact that you can run um so I mean I know we disagree on depletion lands. I think you should run all depletion lands. You you think you should only run the Grixis ones, I think you're on, right? Grixis, if any. Yeah, I so I I I just think the so I obviously understand, you know, I mean, let's not turn this into an entire Cody thing. Because, you know, my, my mana base is um, a bit different, but, you know, there's obviously a heavy importance on um, casting your, your one-drops or the, your important one-drops that allow you to accelerate. Um, but also, Cody can just support uh, colorless lands a lot easier than uh, something like Drassius Timna. Like, you can't, you can't run depletion lands reasonably in Thrasius Timna, unlike Cody. Just due to the way he fixes, but yeah, that's basically the extent of it. That's why I think he's more like Yassan Thrasius Yeah, sorry, the one, the one other thing I, I want to say on evaluation of this card is uh, don't forget the uh, hidden secret mode of uh, giving someone who desperately needs mana to cast a counterspell on a game-winning spell mana. And, and remember, it's not a basic land. Oh this is not Assassin's Trophy. It's <laughs> a basic funny. land type. So they can get a tropical island. They can get yeah. a breeding pool or whatever they want. Uh, any shock or duel is, is fetchable with uh, Besiege. It even draws a card in Rock. Holy moly. Yeah, and as soon as your commander is out, it costs one. It's insane. Yeah. Um, can I can't wait to abuse one? this with Loam. Yeah. Dude, it's gonna That's be so bad. Sweet. Well, have oh you have you God. seen the have you seen the the legacy brew that people have uh, put together for it, or like the idea that people have put together for it, which is a um, it's a Karn lands, but you yeah, can get nice. the uh, you can get the one that turns the the uh, thing. Oh, you get li yeah. liquid metal uh, yeah, coating, yeah, uh, liquid metal yeah. coating, or whatever the new one is. Uh, and then liquid just, metal, like, you metal just, torque. torque. You just yeah. you have life from the you have life from the lovable two mana vindicates. <laughs> Dude, That's they banned so punishing awesome. fire in, in modern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is uh oh god, imagine if Rendon I mean, you can do that in is that that was that a modern brew or a legacy brew? You said uh legacy. Uh, legacy. Because I was thinking yeah. in, in modern in modern you have Renin six, right? Renin six is still legal in modern. Yep, disgusting. That is disgusting. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And also, actually, Ragavan is still legal in Modern too. It's not in Legacy, so you can Ragavan to yeah. discount it too. Oh, true. That's awesome. Turn on true. Ragavan into turn two, red and six, turn three, start munching your stuff. Still legal. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Dude, anyway. this is this land cycle has been is wild. Wild to think of that this is that they print good effects on an untapped land. But you still need the blue one, right? Like I'm, I'm not. Missing it? Yeah, yeah the yeah. blue one. We, I was discussing that. I was discussing it with someone. It was we were, we were saying um, it, it, the the blue one. It has to like there's if it's doing almost anything blue, it's like just broken. Like if it if yeah. it just if it's like two and a blue draw card, still broken. What? Like yeah, still no incredibly thanks. strong. Yeah. yeah uh, five damage to target attacking or blocking creature. Oh my god. <laughs> um. No, it's there's it's gonna be awful. There's no way it's not awful. Like, I don't know, Merfolk is like literally played a Boro just to like, or or Manamo like basically just to have blue lands that don't die to die boil. To choke. Like they yeah, they can't boil. they can't give they surely they know that if the blue one does <laughs> anything. 
Actually, the, the, here's the real troll. There's not even a blue one. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that would be great. That would be perfect. We decided it's, we can't print a card. It's, it's, it's four actually... of them and a colorless one. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cool. So, I mean, maybe, you know, this is a good uh, point to call it. Hopefully this was instructive um, and you guys can, can take away something and how to you know, evaluate cards and spoiler season. And uh, I guess maybe the biggest takeaway is don't get don't get caught up in in the hype and and you know I think spoiler season is probably the time to be overly critical of cards, um, or to to, to bias yourself a bit in that direction what? because I, I feel like the ge- the generic trend is for everything to be oh my god this is so crazy in my blank deck like there's a new uh, Tezzeret that was spoiled and um, uh, my uh, one friend on the uh, frog server was saying how he thinks it's like really good in, in uh embry and i'm like i just i just don't see it uh, i don't see it being that good it, it seems like it has text that's like oh this has synergies but you know there's lots of things that have synergies um, there's lots of things that have text yeah <laughs> yeah okay the, the one thing i will say though is that like it's also okay to just like even if you don't th- you know you're like on the fence like i don't know if this is really better than existing options it is also just fine to like throw it in and jam a few games with it if like assuming you actually play relatively regularly um yeah you know you can just kind of err on the side of let's give this a try uh maybe don't you know throw in this experimental card and you know immediately sign up for an expensive tournament but uh like one of the ways of learning how a card performs and how often the situations where it's better than another card come up is just to play it. Um, but definitely, yeah, and, and also, I, I, I would say if you're doing that, you should also sort of make an effort to be conscious of like how you're evaluating the card. Um, because I think sort of if you're really aware of like that, you're trying to evaluate a card while you're playing, you can sort of gather more information like, oh, how often, you know, like, oh, this card, you know, I can find it off of, like, uh, the recruiters that I run or whatever. Like, okay, how many times did I actually do that? Like, how many times did I have a recruiter and go, like, oh, boy, am I glad I can find this new card or or whatever it is. Um, and just really, you know, do your best to, to be mindful of how it is actually influencing your your game. Yeah, I'll say well, one thing I think people do is uh, they'll they'll throw in a new card and then they'll they'll play a bunch of games. And if you're not consciously testing it, the kind of takeaway will be, well, well, my deck didn't feel any worse, right? Or like you know, didn't seem like it caused any problems. And I can remember all these cool times when it or all these times when it did something cool, right? And that's just a terrible way to to test cards because changing one card in your list of ninety nine. Um, is not going to significantly uh you're not going to necessarily feel its impact constantly right you you really need to be paying attention um to see you know how often was this card sitting in my hand dead and was i like you know or how often um was i extremely happy to see this card that sort of thing. and then i also want to add that uh, just because i'm saying you know be maybe a bit more pessim- uh pessimistic or, or um realistic on you know kind of new spoilers and cards 
doesn't mean to that you can't or shouldn't be excited about these new cards coming out because new cards are just very exciting inherently. So um, even if you're like, well, I don't maybe I don't think Jenga Taxis is good enough for Tasker. Um, doesn't mean you can't be like, holy fucking shit, this Jenga Taxis is super sick. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, cool. So I think we'll move on to uh, we'll do a listener question and then uh, I've got a, a gut check for everyone because. Uh, my gut check is really dumb. I don't want to derail uh, <laughs> okay. discussion. <laughs> um, so our listener question comes into us from patron Tegan. Uh, Tegan asks, you have a monkey's paw. You get to wish for one card to be banned from EDH. However, something awful gets unbanned from the list as payment. What card would you most want banned and what would be the worst unbanned to go along with it? Um, Hey, wait, sorry, because can I, often, oh, sorry, can no. I make one caveat to this? Which is, sure. no one's allowed to say Flash. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. like I would say Flash. Can, can we also just not do, like, like Black Lotus or, like, the Moxin or whatever? I don't know, like, I, like it's, I feel like it's gonna I don't even think that's the one. worst thing that could happen. Yeah, exactly, so just don't pick it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, I'll say I do think it's funny because it, oftentimes, like, we'll we'll joke about when something bad happens in Magic. It's like the monkey's paw curl. It's like, what did someone wish for for this <laughs> for, for this terrible curse to be uh, afflicted on or inflicted on everyone? Um. Yeah, dude. What 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 terrible monkey's paw wish happened so that we we all experienced Oko sixty cards? Shudder, shudder to think. Um. Hmm. I mean, I feel like the first part of what's one card that should be banned, that we'd want banned, I feel like that's that's got to be like almost unanimous from most of us, right? Console ban. Well, I, 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 I think there are two reasonable options. One is certainly more in the forefront of people's minds, I'd say, but... Fine, then maybe I'll pick an interesting one. And I'll, I'll suffer a worse, a lesser monkey's paw curse. <laughs> let me hold on let me just pull up the ban list to see what's <laughs> yeah see if you can figure out anything particularly terrible i, th I think yeah, I have mine it's a, something of, of the appropriate um wait okay i this is, pro this is probably band. not actually my first choice but i have one that i think is like a reasonable ban and a fitting monkey's paw unban uh and I'm just gonna throw it out. Uh, actually, actually, oh no! Oh, oh, mine is perfect. I actually have the perfect one. Holy shit! Perfect. Okay, I have now. I have two. Dang, I can't decide which one I want to do. Okay, can I? I want to do mine first in case someone right, steals sure. it. Wow. Sure. So my, so my, I wanted to be a bit different. I was like, okay. So initially, I was like, oh, it's got to be Thoracle or Console or something like that. I was like, eh, what's a card I really hate that I'd like to see banned and I railed against a lot? Dranit. Okay, so I wish for Dranith to be banned. The monkey spot girl, Caracas. That was that was the that Yo, was the second man. one that I came up with. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. My my first one is uh, I'd like to see ad nauseum banned. And the monkey's paw is that it's, it's replaced with Grizzle either Grizzlebrand or Yakba's yeah. bargain. <laughs> yep. uh, damn it! I should have gone first. Well, then the obvious one. <laughs> Which I think, which I already said, console ban, Leovold unban. 
Oh, nice. Uh, I I think I'll go with the Oracle Band Time Vault on Band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was, that <laughs> but, was okay. Was, see, I I don't like Time Vault. I mean, I guess like I don't know. It is a win con, but like, like I feel like Time Vault is no matter what's banned. Time Vault is like a worse. You know, if Dranith was banned <laughs> sure, and Time Vault sure. was unbanned, that would be terrible. Like, sure, sure, yeah, sure, sure. A fitting. Okay. It's a fitting. Parallel, yeah, so I uh, no, I think so. I we I think we I'd mentioned this in the uh, uh, ban list episode ages ago, but like I think you know, threat the Oracle Consult is is stronger than Time Vault untapping in in, in many respects. I think the most obnoxious um, aspect of Time Vault thing is that it that it would literally color. be everywhere <laughs> in every deck. Yeah, like the, the it's issue, like we the have some like... reprieve from the, from Oracle Consult in in meta and then it's like well what if every deck was also just on time oh my god you guys ready C4 oh actually no, no, here, sorry, sorry. profit <laughs> of crew fix on band. No, no, actually actually I, I think i have a much better one all right so we're we want to we want to even at the play there, there's way too much meta floating around right now so we're gonna ban dockside extortionist and then Tolarian academy channel. comes off oh, <laughs> <Academy>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the complete opposite thing yeah, they they ban fish. <laughs> they ban fish because it'll it lets people throw games and they unban uh, trade secrets. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. Un, un or ban fish because it's a too impactful early game for too many cards. Just unban ancestral. <laughs> Counterbalance ban. Arayo, I'm, I'm trying to think. I would legitimately, legitimately rather like if there was if if fish said like any opponent may have you draw three cards if they do counter the spell. I would use that option so often. <laughs> like, on, on fish? What? Like, just What's... trade your opponent's fish for a recall? Okay, I'm changing my gut check to tie into this listener question because it's better than what I had. Okay? Mm. New okay. gut check. What's what's the card on the ban list that you least would want to get unbanned? Shaharazad. Flash? Uh, <laughs> it's a fake answer. <laughs> I feel like it... I feel no, like it... Flash. it I no, like I don't think mine's flash. Might, yeah. It might actually just be Caracas for me. Mine is Caracas. Yeah, mine is Caracas. Because it's no. so fund it so fundamentally undermines the purpose of the format. Exactly. Yeah. Uh no, like, Time Vault would ruin it way more than Caracas. Okay, the about. the I so mean time, I, I time feel like I just have the ruins the actual and it's black. It's yours. Like Yeah, sure. Time Vault, Time Vault uh, like I, I think I'd rather have Black Lotus. We have, we have Lotus. Crypt openers. We have Crypt and Solring openers already. It's like Black Lotus. Is yeah. Like Black no, Lotus no, no, Black no, no, Lotus no. is amazing. No, but like, no, 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 no. Because Black yeah. Lotus, you don't understand. Like, Crypt and Solring aren't actually that great for combos. Black Lotus is both a busted opener card and just an insane card to have Com- for it. Because you can literally fire off a Demonic Tutor and turn it into a Ritual. Dude, I, I, I understand how good Black Lotus is. But what I'm the point is, is I, I think... It's you're still playing commander and CDH if there's a black lotus in the format. I think with Caracas, it's you you just can't play anymore. Guys, uh, time so, would so literally be play. flash meta like 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 what do you even call it? Like incestuous flash meta like on steroids. It'd be the worst. What would Dude, be worst but then Thada Adele would be time playable. walk. Sorry, time vault. <laughs> no, I don't think time vault Dude, is. Do really and Thada Adele become playable? The, everything would, everything would be just a terrible time vault deck that would be sandbaggy and. That'd be oh. unplayable. Okay, no, I know. It would just I know be what all the same decks also just running time. Yeah, ball, I think. Morgan, what's up? 
It's Golos, because then I'd have to put up with Lindit's bullshit <laughs> mid-power decks. Oh, man. Uh, um, no, but, uh, okay. The the reason I think it's Black Lotus, for me, uh, the, like, turn one, you know, wheel on the play, Ristic Study on the play, like, all of that stuff is, like, possibly my least favorite part about CEDH. Like, the, the games where someone just has a busted opener and you don't actually have an opportunity to really do something about it just, to me, feels like I'm not playing Magic. And if those... Anything that makes those happen more, I'm firmly against. My favorite part of CDH or EDH more broadly is the ability to have a commander that does something. And I feel like that just doesn't happen with Caracas. What are you talking about? You can just play Kess as a Snapcaster mage. You can play Inala, dude. Easy. I guess the one <laughs> the one saving grace for Caracas is that it's not literally playable in every deck. <laughs> no, the one saving grace Isn't is that, that they just like printed feature, Besage like, You. <laughs> exactly. The fact so that you can just yeah, murder it on site. The fact that the playable white decks have Timina means that you're gonna see a bunch of Timina decks with Caracas. Yeah. That's almost like worse. <laughs> I'm just looking at Karakas. Guys, Timefall would suck. <laughs> More um, than all of what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, so yeah, go to, the, go to our, our Discord and uh, there'll be a poll and you can all vote on which, I was going to say which, which of us had the best answer, but really it, it is kind of which of us had the worst answer, right? <laughs> yeah. what, do you, what do you want least in the format? Well, that about wraps it up for this episode. If you guys like to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can contact us on Twitter at IntoNorthPod, by our email, IntoNorthPodcast at gmail.com, or on our Discord server, in like the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode. An extra special thanks to all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work towards improving the quality of the podcast. If you too would like to become a patron, we are at patreon.com slash northpodcast. The way you can support us is via our TCG Player affiliate link. So anytime you want to purchase something from TCG Player, you use our affiliate link, which is in the podcast slash YouTube description. A portion of your purchase goes towards supporting the podcast. Thank you as always to the band Box Cadre for our lovely podcast music. Nate Slover for our equally lovely podcast logo into our video editor, Manta Ray Hats. Next episode will be out in two weeks. Until then, see ya. Yeah. See ya. Have a good one.